Today's episode of the Back to Back podcast is presented by the Salvation Army. Your donations can help those affected by COVID-19 find help and hope. To give, ask your smart speaker to make a donation to the Salvation Army or make your gift at SalvationArmyUSA.org. One of the articles I read, they called it the Bulls Traveling Cocaine Circus. <laughs> I've never read that article. <laughs> Lock it in! There's like someone drilling next door to me right now. Can you hear yeah. it? Congratulate them on the set. This is the Basketball Buzz. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Logic and reason. With Zach Harper. Oh man, if you put Gordy in Atlanta, we can kiss Waz goodbye from Los Angeles. <laughs> Big Waz. Kristen's beautiful words about pop are the best advertisement for the CIA I've ever heard in my entire life. Funny, I've seen the machine in the basement of Madison Square Garden turning out $100 bills. <laughs> yeah, this isn't for we. This is a you know, Lifetime Achievement Award <laughs> right now. That he's I've been wanting to say that for a long time. South Bull rides again. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you what I think. I, I don't think it's inconsistent. You've been popped, right? Y- yes. <laughs> he may have big bones, but he doesn't have big meniscus. What? Why would I wear pants or shorts or anything? Everyone does well when you have good results. Produced by Jade Hoyt. Everybody knows if you go back in time, don't do anything. The ramifications can be quite severe. A journey which along the way will bring you new colors, new dimensions. New day, day. What's up, buddy? Uh, then I'll say, oh, fuck, he's just a rookie. Don't worry about it. So you open up the door. I walk in and practically the whole team is in there. And it was like things I've never seen in my life, you know, as, as a young kid. You got all, you got your lines over here, you got your weed smokers over here, you got your women over here. So the first thing I said, look, man, you know, I'm out. Welcome to the Basket Buds edition of the Back to Back podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Zach Harper. We got Dave DeFour. We got Wasney Lambre. We're going to be joined by others throughout the show. We've got Jade Hoy producing. And guys, we're dancing. The last dance. It, they did it. Yes. They released it. <laughs> I mean, that was that was like a Kenny Main nineteen ninety seven March Madness. Let me tell you about this this insurance commercial that everyone freaked out on because they changed the mouth of Kenny Main. I didn't like it. Yeah. I, didn't yeah, like I, it. I enjoyed it. I didn't like oh, it. Oh, I love oh, that. I thought it was so hacky. Unless they're a sponsor, I, no, I thought it was amazing. I got fooled. <laughs> no, I, I didn't get fooled, you got fooled. But I was like, "Oh, I like what you guys are doing here." I like what he was saying. Like the jeans are going to be tight. I was because no, at first I was like, "Wait, what? You're predicting the jeans being tight?" And then I was like, "Oh no." <laughs> I did. Yeah, I, it was the only part of the night I didn't like. Is that I didn't like it. I didn't like the reaction to it. I just decided I didn't. I didn't like what was going on. But I loved everything else about the last dance. The 97-98 Chicago Bulls documentary that got moved up. Uh, something happened with the games recently where the schedule opened up. So they, I think the NBA and ESPN decided to move this thing up and uh, fill some airwaves here. But uh, Smart move. Yeah, smart move. And they're going to be doing it every Sunday night. Uh, you can read a recap for me on The Athletic every uh, Sunday night, Monday morning. Um, with the best moments and the funniest quotes and all that stuff. But uh, part one and part two was setting the groundwork. One was like, hey, 
this Jerry Krause guy, get him out of here. He's uh, he's screwing this whole gravy train up at the end of this run. And then this part two was, you know, Scottie Pippen and his issues with the contract and injuries and, and everything. And also, like, in terms of the second episode about Scottie Pippen, you know, they start off with like 10 to 15 minutes of this Pippen stuff. And you realize, and then they're kind of setting the, you know, the groundwork for he's not around at the start of the season. And, you know, they're losing a little bit and Mike's frustrated and it's and it kind of like, why is Mike frustrated? Where does he get this drive from? And then it just flashes back for like a good 20 to 25 minutes to the point I forgot we were talking about Scottie Pippen in the episode. And then once they bring it back to Pippen, I felt like a like a Robert De Niro caricature. I was like, these fucking guys like, oh, they tricked me like they got me. like I just thought it was woven so perfectly dave like i just was the way the storytelling goes when they bring it back to unc when they bring it back to um his parents and everything like i and his family his brothers like just the way they brought it back and then and then moved it forward and everything like i just thought i just thought it was brilliant brilliant structure for this documentary so far um yeah listen i I, there was not a lot of new stuff in the in the first two episodes um you know, I understand this was like, hey, we got to get everyone up to speed because there's a lot of people that maybe haven't seen every Michael Jordan documentary that's been made. Right. Like, so the the swimming pool rehab uh, video that has been in every single Jordan doc was there. But you're right. Like the way that they tied it together. And then the biggest thing, man, is having those guys sit down and adding context to the stuff. That is all that was all new. And especially getting Mike to sit down and and actually talk about, you know, this is how I grew up and right. you know, this hearing him talk about, you know, like the racial inequality, which is something that has never been a theme in a Michael Jordan documentary ever. Yeah. You it's know, all, living come in, fly with me. Yeah. Look, right. at, this, look at these dunks. Right. Oh, he loves he, this stuff he was so much. A, he was treated as a God already in all of those other documentaries. Yeah. And in this one, you actually, you know, you see like the humble beginnings. And also I got to say, whatever his mom is doing, that woman looks amazing. She, she looks, looks, young, exactly she looks younger than he does. Mike. <laughs> she looks <laughs> just like she did when she was dunking in "Come Fly with Me." Right. She looks young. She looks younger than he does. Was I think maybe my favorite thing to track throughout the Mike interviews is you just look at that little that little glass to his to his right. Yeah. <laughs> you just see where that glass is to his right, and was that's when you know that uh, all right, this is probably a time to lean into the you know towards the TV. Mike drinking bourbon or whiskey out I think of fine that, I think it was that tequila. I think it's oh, a, like tequila. a. I think that's the tequila he and Jeannie mm. Bus have. Mm, that brown tequila. <laughs> no, that's to me. That's I think that's what people were reacting to because it's like, you know, he brings his cigar and he brings his drink and it's like, all right, Mike is here to talk. He's not here to, you know, be extra buttoned up and perfect yeah. and, and corporate. And I think that's what a lot of people were afraid of, right? is that Mike is involved with the doc and he's so image conscious that he would, you know, sugarcoat things and all of that. But like, I mean, <laughs> in the first freaking within the first freaking 20 minutes of the doc, I feel like, of course, he's accusing all of his teammates of doing drugs and things like that. But I've, <laughs> I've never 
Is it, like I've never seen Michael Jordan talk about that before. Like I've seen yeah. a bunch of people talk about that era of the NBA coming out of the seventies and and you know the beginning of Magic and Bird. Like guys were still getting season long suspensions for cocaine tests and all of this stuff. Like uh, we've heard people talk. I've never heard Mike specifically talk about that era of the NBA and what they were coming out of. So um, I just thought it was dope that he was. He would, they were setting the tone that Mike's going to be candid. He's not going to be like some canned version of himself. He's going to be closer to Hall of Fame speech, Mike Jordan. Yeah. Uh, Mo Dakiel, the mustachioed one, is on, is on the pod now. Uh, shave the mustache, Mo. Um, mustachio. Mustachio. No, less stachio. Um, no. I would say, uh, uh, Mo, I think, I think for, for me, um, I realized that we'd never seen Michael Jordan laugh until that documentary. Like we'd That's never seen a real laugh because that was when they said the traveling cocaine circus. Um, and he heard that, like, that was a real laugh. I don't know if that was the tequila laughing, <laughs> but that was the first real laugh I'd ever seen out of Michael Jordan. I want to give credit to the director. I don't know if it's fair or unfair, but I bet they waited till he was like two glasses in before they're like, we're going to hit him with the traveling cocaine circus and see what happens. Like that laugh was definitely a, I'm a little bit lit kind of laugh, but that was awesome. Um, I think my, I think my favorite part of the first two nights or the first, the first two hours of the, of the doc were um, the, the, the comeback from the injury, right. From the broken foot. He only plays what, like 19, 18 games, his second Mm -hmm. season in the league. And they have him on the minutes restriction. And look, there's probably some, you know, manicuring of of this uh, of this story a little bit. But him saying, "Find the seven most important minutes for me," right? And then seeing like him unleashed, uh, and even before that, like seeing him just destroy the Bucks as a rookie. Like Sidney Moncrief couldn't hang with, like no one could hang with him, right? And like seeing him be unleashed in that way. But then seeing him, um, it's a it's a lot like just like seeing a predator like just kind of pacing and waiting, like chopping the bit and ready to ready to jump on the prey. Like that's what he looked like coming back from that injury. And then the whole, um, you know, the whole thing where they're against Indiana and Mo they're you know, they're down one and his limit is up and he doesn't get to play the last 14 seconds. He's like, it's 14 fucking seconds. Like, come on. Like, what are you <laughs> <Right>. doing? <laughs> and the poor coach is sitting there going like, look, man, if I put you in, I'm getting fired. Yeah, he's the guy get fired. is standing and, right there. <laughs> and then once again, John Paxson hits a big shot for Mike and he get, they get him into the playoffs at 30 and 52 on the season. <laughs> Just I mean, it sounds like the Eastern Conference. To yeah. me. Just, I, I so didn't know I the looked, Eastern Conference was always this bad. I, I looked this up. I looked this up, right? Because I was curious. I couldn't remember, you know, obviously. Um, when he came back, he came back like uh, mid-March. He played uh, 15 games after coming back. Averaged about 23 minutes a game and scored 22 points a game. Oof. From not playing for... You know, well, however long well, October well, to March, we did find out that he was he was practicing. Yeah. When he well, he was I could only imagine the feeling as a as a as a front office executive finding out the player that you staked your basically your franchise on yeah. comes back going like, yeah, I've been playing five on five the for the past two weeks, yeah. but you're not supposed to be playing one on one. Like, I, wonder, I wonder if he went into like attorney mode. He's just like, well, you didn't say I couldn't play five on five. You just said no one on one yet. <laughs> But also, look, in, in the last few games, he played 28 minutes, 31 minutes, 31 minutes, 33 minutes, 37 minutes, 29 minutes. 
So a little bit of massage. Yeah, we massage a little back. bit. You know, get those <laughs> knots back. out. We got to get those <laughs> knots out, loosen up the tension of the story of a little bit. You know, he came yeah. back on limited minutes, which yeah. yeah, makes sense. You broke your foot. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but you know, the cool it was thing just about another that- excuse to hammer Jerry Krause, which is really like like they were hammering him before the opening credits, and, and so you know, I, I get it. Like, yeah, they but to just hammer him some more. But Dave, Dave, Jerry Krause got to get hammered. For building you two get separate three-time uh, championship no, teams? No, 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 Dave, no, Dave, Dave Joe Dumars built a championship team. We we let him no, off the hook? <laughs> no. Uh, I mean, for he did pretty well at that time. Most for stop breaking for him up. breaking okay. up the team. So, here's the deal. Scottie Pippen, after, he left, after that last season, when he left the Bulls, I think Jerry Krause was right about Scottie Pippen. I think that he was right that he was about to start his decline. And when you look at the stats, it shows. I get yeah, it. Like that's- was the- okay, but he declined in '98, and they still won a championship. Like you telling me, you I- couldn't build around a diminished Scotty and Mike and just make the team like that. Okay, and, and, so and it's like, not just and it's not just it's not just that was it's to get Tim Floyd in the door. Yeah, it, it's it's ridiculous. And and by the way, I feel like uh, you know part of the reason why we we um. We laud RC and, and Pop the way that we do is that, yes, they didn't say, well, Tim Duncan is aging now. Get him the hell out of town so we can rebuild. It's like, well, no, Tim Duncan basically made us. He made right. us. Yeah, Michael Jordan made me. Michael Jordan made me. He made you, Jerry Crow. He made you. He made you a made man. So that's how you're supposed to treat him. That's how you're supposed to treat him and Scotty and Phil. They made you, not the other way around, well, bro. Uh, you know, uh, I, so like, I wonder about the money part of this that, that we're not going to see in the documentary. And I wonder if behind the scenes there was some more money concerns with, with Phil making all that money. And having to pay Scotty, I mean, Scotty left and, and made quite a bit of money. I mean, he made more money in the last, you know, four or five years of his career than he made his whole time in Chicago. We have. Uh, I wonder how much of that came into play. Yeah, we have we have Fred Katz on. Fred, do you think Jerry Reinsdorf was secretly broke? <laughs> That's my theory. <laughs> it's it's a great theory. Uh, has he been broke for the twenty two years since? I think that's a better theory. That's a great question. That's a great question. Maybe, maybe he has been. Rich Hoffman, do you think Jerry Reinsdorf is secretly broke or was at the time? I don't know about that, but I just think it's amazing that he's still during this dynastic run that the Bulls had like the White Sox more. That's the, I mean, look, I was a huge <laughs> Frank Thomas fan, right? Love me some Frank Thomas. Like the eugenics commercials hurt now. <laughs> like that's like it's like I see that I'm like yeah I can watch Andy Van Slyke you know claymation his way through these commercials I can't watch Frank Thomas do it I just can't like even Doug Flutie I used to play basketball with Doug Flutie like you know I I'm I'm in like I can't see those that's guys really hawking this product weird flex that but okay, very cool. casual look man it's not a big deal him and Fred Jones not the not the point you know not the shooting guard from Oregon but Fred Jones a tight end. Used to come down to the arc at San Diego State, play some ball. It's not a big deal. Doug Flutie, surprisingly great passer on the court. Um, but these guys, I can't. I like. I love Frank Thomas so much, and I see him pushing these products. And I just think, you know, he must have gotten into some bad stuff with Jerry Reinsdorf. That's the only way to. That's the only way to view it. 
Yeah, it, it, none of it makes sense, right? Reinsdorf being the owner of the team, being like, well, Jerry and Phil hated each other. I just called Phil. Like, that, you're just showing us that you could have stepped in at any point and did all of this stuff. The, the whole stuff about not taking care of Scotty because I told him it was a bad deal is nonsense. No, I, actually, I'm, like, I'm, I'm against Scotty on this. You accepted yeah, a deal. Yep, right. Like, uh, also, I, also, he I, was I, the eighth highest paid player. When he signed that deal. Yeah, I mean, like, that's on his agent. That's on him to say, all right, you can either have the security now or you can, you can, you know, yeah, but, risk it a little no, but bit. Zach, it's not, to me, it's not about Scotty. It's about if, <laughs> if the goal is to win, then you take care of Scotty because that takes care of a lot of things within the organization, right? Oh, it makes I, you, yeah. able, like, taking care of him is just a good business move. Because of the good like feelings that it's gonna engender um within the organization. And again, it's Scotty, it's not Scott Burrell. But, but they still you know won and didn't take care of like I mean it, the thing is when he signed the deal, it was a great deal for Scotty. It was a really good deal for Scotty, and he just got no raises. So as the salary cap kept going up, his his salary actually dropped. Yeah, I think they said he was 122nd highest paid yeah. player that season or in, whatever. In 97, yeah. 98. So like, I mean, clearly his agent made a huge mistake and, and so did Scott well, by signing agent it. Definitely but, deserves. Right. I mean, I wish they would say his agent's name in the doc to throw that. Yeah. In the well, but if you're a basketball I, team, man, like you want to, like, you want to get the most value, the most bang for your buck. I, I mean, it's Scotty Pippen and what Steph Curry when he was making eleven million dollars a year might be the two most valuable basketball players of all time. I mean, uh, aside from I Michael Jordan that and LeBron, Dave, and whatever they're. Making. I understand that logically, Dave, but this is a people business. Like, like, I, like, logically, of course, it's like I'm getting a deal here. So why should I do something that I theoretically don't have to? But the idea that you would just break this team up. Oh, I, so, so that, that, that's where I went to. Like, man, I would have, I would have like, ridden that dynasty important. into the ground. Yeah, like, like it, you, crazy. you come back and win another championship. Okay, like I'll always take the chance at a championship over that other stuff. By the way, I always have felt that way. But the truth is, Scotty did fall off when he left. Now we don't know if he would have fallen off the same way if him and Mike were still playing. I together. mean, he didn't fall off that much. Like, like if you look at the the per one hundred for that that for that only season in Houston, his scoring goes way down, but also his shots went way down. Everything right. else yeah, is kind of usage the same. goes, goes yeah. down. And and yeah. and he was on I mean, a team also, with Barkley and Elijah Watt, so like of course his usage is going to go down, right? Yeah, but even in Portland after that, no, but he know, was a key part in Portland. Like that right, was. But a, I'm he, saying, like, I mean, the numbers are the numbers, but we always talk about that stuff. But like he was a big reason why Portland was threatening to. To, to go to the finals that year against the Lakers. Like he was an important, he had played an important role in that season. It's, it goes beyond the numbers. Like, you know, and that's kind of Scotty in general, like his game does transcend his numbers. He does so many other things off the court. I mean, on the court, the intangible stuff, it just doesn't show up. But can you not understand betting against a guy who's 33 years old and, you know, in the late nineties? I mean, I, I get it. <laughs> I think I, I think no, Jared I, I don't, underst- was you know I don't understand it. You know why I don't understand it? Because it's what Michael wanted. That's why I don't like you can say all of that in like in a vacuum. Yeah, the dude's 33. His body's breaking down. I'm good. I'm I'm going to pass on him. But within the context of the team, <laughs> within the context of you guys having 
drafted the greatest player in the history of the sport, it makes no sense. Well, uh, like, it uh, makes no sense to treat Phil that way when that's Mike's guy. It makes no sense to treat Scotty that way when that's Mike's guy. It's just like some weird... It, it makes no sense whatsoever. Like I don't, I don't even understand how you could do it. Yeah, honestly. Rich, Rich, I'm, I'm curious if you, because I, from what I watched from this documentary, like in this part, like to me, this was a, this, like the Scotty stuff was a fallout from the Phil, Jerry Krause stuff. To me, that's where like Jerry just didn't like Phil and Phil didn't like Jerry, and so it was get Phil out of here. I gotta get this Tim Floyd in here. And at that point, and 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 then from there, it's like, well, of course, Mike's not going to play. And if it, Mike's not going to play for him, then why would you have Scotty around? Like he's aging and everything. Like I think you could have kept this thing together, but it was it was the problem between Phil and Jerry with the credit being doled out. Yeah, and I think they they should probably delve into that a little more. Hopefully, in the next couple of episodes, because you know they they went really in depth on why Scotty was underpaid and. You know, I was just watching that thinking like, man, the salary cap in the 90s was pretty wild. Like with how uh, with how it's covered today, it seems like it was just changing every couple of years. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think Phil and, and Jerry Krause just just couldn't get along. And and that is something that, you know, I think I, I heard a quote at one point where Jerry, it was like Jerry Krause didn't get enough credit as he deserved, but also wanted more credit. Than Did he Steve deserved. Kerr say that? I don't know yeah, where it, it was. I heard it from Steve Kerr. I, yeah. That's and that's probably right. You know, like that, and that probably is the biggest issue and why the whole thing blew up in the way it did. It's it's just so wild though that after I think it was the '97 finals when the, the beginning of the documentary, they're on the podium like with their finals hats on and their shirts, like the we just that's won the championship the craziest thing. Yeah. and they're answering questions like. Are you guys going to be back next year? Like, is this something going to happen? That's what's crazy to me is watching Mike in the championship T-shirt, in the championship hat, literally talking about trying to justify the merits of bringing that team back. Like, that's insanity. That's why I think Jerry Krause is indefensible. It's like, wait, people are publicly talking about whether or not it's a good idea to keep this group together. Like, just imagine Magic after 1988 or 87 at the end of that press conference. Like, yeah, um, you know, Jerry and them and, and, and um, Dr. Buss doesn't doesn't know if if it makes sense to have Riley around anymore. Um, you know, I want people around, but they don't care about James and this. Like, people would be like, wait, what? Y'all just want back-to-back chips. You guys are the team of the decade. Why are you talking about ruining this? You guys changed the entire, you know, the sort of the, the, the face of the franchise. Like, you changed the fortunes of the franchise. Like, obviously, you guys deserve to go out and do that. That's why I think Jerry Krause is indefensible. Like, this, it just, man, it. In no context does it make sense. I, I guess the only parallel is, I guess, Bill Belichick, <laughs> who's just straight up like, it's me, dummies, yeah, not but, you yeah, guys. It's not, it's not these guys. It's not these bums over here. I'm, I'm you know, turning water into wine here. But, like, but like I, I don't think anybody on this call would profess to to, to think that, that Krause and Belichick are equal, you know, competence right. in well, their jobs. Well, dude. Fred, you you cover, you know, one of the best run organizations in the NBA with the Wizards. <laughs> How hard is it to you for you to find some parallels here? Uh 
Honestly, to me, what's what's crazy about it is not necessarily that they just went out and traded Scottie Pippen. It's it's just how they handled it. Yeah. Like that's the crazy part. If you're if you're keeping everything internal and you're having internal conversations, because teams have these internal conversations all the time, no matter how good, right? Like I am certain that the Spurs at some point were like, what if we did trade manager Nobly? We have to bring him off the bench. Could we get something incredible for him in the package? And they just never let it get out. They never let it become a thing because you don't do that to your players and you don't do that to the teams that, as Waz said, that make you, right? And the problem is that they got to a point where they were being asked about it after they won the title. But like you can, and trust me, I know drama and I know infighting from covering the, not this year's Wizards, but last year's Wizards. Last year's Wizards, and like. When you let that stuff get out, it just builds and it builds and it builds and it builds within an organization and it becomes increasingly frustrating. If you keep that stuff internal, it just is so much it, – it, it's the way you go about it, right? If they just got a deal at the end of that season and they made it seem, hey, we got a deal that we loved for Scottie Pippen. Uh, we thought it was the right thing to do. I mean, it's not, it's, it's obviously not the exact same thing, but like, this is the Danny Ainge philosophy, right? In the, in them trading, in them trading, uh, Garnett and Paul Pierce, they weren't coming off five straight titles, but those teams were good. And Danny Ainge has always had the philosophy of it's better to trade a guy too soon than he is to trade a guy too early. I mean, I was also in Oklahoma city when they traded Serge Ibaka and that was before Kevin Durant left and people thought Kevin Durant would be back because they thought better to trade a guy too soon than, than too early. It ended up being great. Like that's a philosophy that we've seen in a lot of places, but the, people weren't, you know, going around asking about it from that perspective. Like that's kind of what Draymond was talking about when he was on, uh, when he, when he was on, uh, what was he on? Uh, the undefeated. Oh, right? the ra- yeah. The, the undefeated uninterrupted. Uh, or uninterrupted. Yeah. Ra- after uninterrupted show. Right. Yeah, the rap show. He was on uninterrupted and he was talking about how, how KD constantly, not clarifying his future just created this big elephant in the room that nobody could ignore. And it, it messed them up and it messed up their team chemistry and it messed them up. And it's, it's a different thing when, when a GM has to more importantly than making trades, like a GM for an organization has to set a culture that trickles down through the organization. And if the GM is setting a bad culture, if the GM is setting a bad precedent, that trickles down to everybody. Just like if you're setting a good one, it has the capability of trickling down to everybody too. And when the GM is is setting a trickle down feud culture, well, guess what? <laughs> Guys are going to feud. Right. Like that's well, just the way it works. Tournaments canceled, league suspended. I haven't seen a live game on TV in what feels like years, even though it's been a little bit over a month. There's no better reminder of how important sports are to our lives than when they're taken away completely. But The Athletic, still home to 400 of the best sports writers out there in these very strange, very uncertain times, still hard at work, doing excellent reporting and telling unique, engaging, informative stories. We got Fred Katz with a phenomenal two-part piece on Bradley Beal and what makes him who he is. Ethan Strauss wondering why coaches make more than general managers. Uh, We had Joe Varden with some amazing untold stories about meeting Michael Jordan. We got that and a lot more. It's during times like this, The Athletic can keep you connected to the teams, the athletes, the sports you love. Sign up now for a 90-day free trial to see for yourself the creativity, the reporting, and the storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. Just go to theathletic.com slash back-to-back for a 90-day free trial. Games aren't being played right now, but the stories that draw us all to sports, they don't go away. So go to theathletic.com slash back-to-back, and we hope to see you there. Well, Mo, like, that's the crazy thing is, like, 
from a PR standpoint, this thing was handled horribly. I know we live in a much different PR world now than we did in in 1997, this, but this would have been a circus. But yeah, like, uh, it, uh, it, was. it was. I mean, it was a circus, and it was. And not just the cocaine circus that Michael Jordan came into in the eighties. Like this is, <laughs> this is like he. I mean, Jerry Krause came out and said we could go eighty-two and zero. Phil's out of here after this year. That's, That's to absurd. be on record saying that is wild. That's absurd. It's not even that. It's having a press conference going like, yeah, we got a ton of amazing offers for Scottie Pippen. <laughs> like, you know, it's you. Yeah. When was the last time we've had a GM come out in a press conference say like, yeah, man, we almost traded him. He was, he was. I mean, this isn't like after winning a championship. This is like in the season or the run up to training camp. Like, yeah, we have a mate. We have a bunch of great offers out there for him. Like, yeah, that's just it, it. Just sets such a weird tone. And in that sense, it does in a situation where the player feels like he's, he's well underpaid and all that. Like, it's like, now you don't even want me. Now you're looking to trade me and you're looking to do all these things and fine trade me. And, you know, Scotty was wrong in in how he handles some of these things. And I'm with you guys. Like, you know, he got, he signed the contract. He made the decision knowing what was going to happen. But like the whole situation, it's like what Fred says, it just sets such a weird tone that this is what they're going to go into defending their, their back-to-back championship trying to win number six. They're going in with this weird undertone of the coach isn't coming back. MJ's pissed. No Scotty. He's pissed. Like you, Dennis Rodman, who can go off at any point, you know, in, in, in several different ways. It's just like, there's no sort of cohesion. Like, I don't know. It, it kind of feels like shocking that they won a championship. What Guys. is, wait, what if Jerry Krause was pulling a Phil Jackson and trying to get them so mad <laughs> that they were motivated to prove him wrong. You know, if I'm Phil Jackson, yeah, I'd be right. pissed if someone was like, you know what? We've got to get you out here for Tim Floyd. I'm not going to let this go. Like Tim Floyd was such a bumbling coach. Like how you looked at Tim Floyd like this is the guy. This and is Phil the successor. Jackson coached his ass off that last yeah, time. Nice. I'm nice. telling you. Maybe do we not remember? We Do we not remember Magic merely just quitting his job? He quit his job on like the last day Which of the time? season. And that was yeah. right. <laughs> And that was like a nuclear explosion because the guy quit. Mind you, the team wasn't going to the playoffs. It was the end of the season. Like their offseason had essentially already started anyway. The Magic quit, and that was some type of nuclear event. Um, Again, for a team that essentially did not matter that season, Jerry Krause comes out, and he's, he's taking the blowtorch to the second best player and the freaking five-time championship winning coach. At the same time, loss. At the same time, I love the confidence. <laughs> I do. I, I can't lie. I love the confidence from Jerry Cross. <laughs> well, players don't win championships. No, they don't. You know that. <laughs> he points them out yeah, too. He does. Like we, we talk about the management, but like this is a theme with Jerry Reinsdorf too. Like, oh, yeah. absolutely. You perpetuate yeah. that. Look, I. Sean Hyken from Bleacher Report, I was chatting with him last night and he pointed the parallels out to me and I didn't quite connect it to this degree. And it's crazy. Like there was another time not that long ago where the Bulls got rid of a really good coach because he didn't get along with the front office because they were in love with the coach from Iowa State. Fred Hoiberg. Like it's it's the exact same thing as Tibbs and Fred Hoiberg. And it just happened 15 years apart. Uh these sorts of things, historical patterns tend to occur when you handle every similar situations the exact same way and you don't learn from your mistakes. Like this oh, is, I mean, I'm look. not saying that, that 
you know, Krause is devoid of all blame here. I'm just saying, like, oh, no, Ramsdale deserves a lot of the blame for sure. And, you know, and like you said about his history, look at Kenny Williams, look at Gar Pax. Um, it's 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 what he does. Like apparently, he just likes to stick to his management oh, guys. I mean, I've said this a lot on this pod, but like, if the greatest player of all time doesn't go to them at number three in 1984, this is the Knicks. Like, there's oh, not a whole lot of difference between Dolan and Reinsdorf with this bumbling stuff and this bad culture setting and everything, keeping guys around too long. Like, they're fortunate enough that other than when the greatest player of all time played for them, or a couple of Derrick Rose years before his knee blew up. Like, other than that, they've been entirely irrelevant. They did have some bad luck right after this. You know, like, just the 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 Jay Williams motorcycle accident was, I mean, that set them back quite a bit. Sure. Yeah, and, but, and Jay Williams is going to be a really good player. Yeah. Yep, every team experiences bad luck. But, I mean, you can't blame the last 20 years on bad luck. I mean, it's just right. pretty obvious. Yeah. That, and they also, you know, like, they, <laughs> they went out and they got... Elton Brand and they got um you know Curry and, and Chandler. Like they they went out and invested in some high level prospects. Mm-hmm. And, and trying to pair those guys was a mistake. Yeah, probably. But yeah, yeah. but, I but at take. the end of the day, you know. Yeah, I I feel like Jerry Krause is getting it too hard though. That's that's, uh, that's what I said. Yeah. He's he's getting it way too like Jerry Krause also made some from a pure personnel standpoint, from a goalkeeper standpoint, right was a great move. By some I delay, mean, that was crazy. Tra- trading for Scotty Pippen was an incredible uh, draft. I, I've got to, I've got to take. He drafted Kukoc in the second round. Like he made also, some great. I, hey, I, I, fired Doug Collins despite. I mean, Doug Collins had made the playoffs a, a few years in a row and hired Phil Jackson, right? And then within two years, they win a title. He's yeah, the I mean, first he, person who knew Doug Collins was a three-year coach, and then you got to get him out of there. <laughs> he, made, he made some great, great basketball moves. No one's saying he wasn't good at his job. He fucked no, it I'm up, not, guys. He fucked it up royally. He <laughs> built, he built a he dynasty, and then just kept pulling at the thread because he wanted the thread to be on him. That's what it was. Like that. Like he fucked it up. He's very good at his job. Also, here's my take. I don't think we're defending him as much if he's not dead. If he was around to be interviewed during this time, I don't think everyone's defending him as much. Well, yeah, because he'd be around to defend, he'd be around to defend himself. Yeah, right. Yeah. But but you know, I don't think people would then be like, well, you know what, Jerry Cross has the point here. They wouldn't be doing that. <laughs> He's, he was just so obsessed with credit, though. It was unbelievable. Right? Yeah, the the Scotty Pippen press conference where he said, like, we had all these offers. It reminded me of the Brian Colangelo Twitter accounts. It was saying, like, he made these good moves. Hinky made these bad moves. But he was doing it, like, for the press, like, as it was happening. Like, oh, man, I, I took these good offers and said, nope, you know, and I, I built this team. It's crazy. He didn't even have the collars to help shoulder all the attention he wanted. <laughs> no. Can you imagine? I mean, what what did they call? They called him Crumbs, right? Wasn't that the nickname? Yeah. This guy? Like, can you imagine the Crumbs getting caught in that Brian Colangelo collar? Oh my God! I got <laughs> the, the bullying aspect of uh, of Kraus was was is pretty rough. Like the the Crumbs, the to the point when Phil Jackson has to look at Scotty going like, "Yo, you might want to dial this back here a little bit." Like this is getting a little uncomfortable. Like that part's harsh, you know. And I and, and I understand all of that stuff and and, and for Kraus and. You know, I just when I look at it with Kraus, I just go like, man, he he kind of forced MJ into retirement. Like MJ sort of laid out everything. I'm yeah, only playing you, for Phil Jackson. You keep it around I, the the engine can still run, right? You know, and 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 you know what? And that team, and and I I hear what you you were saying earlier, Dave, about like, yo, Scottie Pippen's at the end. Like, you know, you need to start kind of rebuilding. But that team deserved to finish it out 
and 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 lose. And I know? don't disagree and, with that. Honestly, I mean, well, I mean like, I'm just saying way, that but he that's wasn't the way a lot of wrong. Teams, no, but that's the way a lot of these teams have have you know our great dynasties have all fallen apart after they have lost you know like the pistons were back to back they start losing to the bulls it's over you know this we know the, the history of the celtics we know the history of the lakers like this team didn't get a chance to to basically ride this whole thing out it was just boom it's done and it's cut short and i think that's where a lot of the crowds anger comes from where people are so upset with you want to see how much longer could go right but also again i think he was also trying to capitalize on that that wave that was like you know not crashing but cresting and on the on the way down and try to get value for scotty pippen here's what i think though dave is i i think that could be true i also think he wanted to show how smart he is and that probably and that's 50 50 yeah and and that's where the issue is for me of like of like look again we saw you build this thing like we know we know it but michael jordan's the biggest star in in the world right now so he's going to get the credit and that's okay Mm -hmm. right so it's one one in the credit and two one to show oh i can do this again do it again when it's over don't right. end it so you can do it again. And that, well, but like, but at the like same Watson. time, it also it also, Dave, it probably pumps up the legacy of this team because mm-hmm. they never got the chance to lose it. Right. right. But like Waz said, the best executives are the ones that you never hear say anything, and when they do, it is very. It's like, hey, I mean, like Daryl Morey, right? You can say a lot of things about Daryl Morey, but you'll never hear him say anything but uh, things that boost his players up. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's going to go on. No MVP matter how, no matter how much he lies, he's going to. That doesn't, it's right, but but it's all positive and stuff like that. And so, you know, I, I like completely agree with that. I, my point initially is literally just that he wasn't completely wrong. Are we not counting the stuff where Maury leaks things to the media so that they'll talk favorably about him? We're not talking Listen, about that. Or we're not talking <laughs> about that. We're not talking about audits. <laughs> 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 tax day is not till july guys <laughs> oh yeah remember to do your taxes folks <laughs> that's the that's the that's the back-to-back official stance on tax day don't forget to do them i know i know we don't want to get political here but i just want to <laughs> was, I just do your taxes we gotta we gotta throw that out there um what uh what are we expecting was what are you expecting out of this dennis rodman episode I know we got a sneak preview. I didn't want, I don't want to watch the sneak previews and stuff. I don't want to see any, like, just show me. I'll, yeah, I'll wait till Sunday night. I, I, I didn't, and I didn't watch the 30 for 30. So I don't really have any expectation. I just remember at the time, I remember, you know, NBC when they do their little vignettes or whatever, oh, or their costs, little, dude. you know, while the game is going on, their little um, interview, quick interview with guys. And it's like, yeah. They talk management and Phil talk to Mike and Scotty. Like, what do you think about bringing this guy on? And Mike is like, yo, he could play. Bring him on. Like, I have no problem with it. Like, I think we can handle it as a locker room. Like, it, you know, in a weird way, it kind of reminded me of LeBron and J.R. Smith. Um, <laughs> but that's, you know, that's what I remember at the time. And, and by the way, because I was 11 year, years old at the time, I don't remember being aware that this team was about to break up. Like maybe I was and I just don't remember it, but I don't remember it being this crystal clear that they were about to break up. But I do remember the Rodman thing always being like, this is kind of weird, guys. (laughs) Yeah, well, so I remember the I remember the Rodman thing being weird. Um, Like meaning like everybody acknowledged that the marriage was a 
the marriage between the team yeah, and player. But it was just was like weird. I feel like it was just mostly like, oh, his hair is a different color today, right? Like it wasn't it, mm. like there. Obviously, there were stories out about him. And granted, like I was a teenager at the time, so you know, I, I don't know how plugged in I was. He other was than weird in the San National Antonio, stories. though. Yeah, but yeah, even that, in so San Antonio, he had started on the path of being like a really eccentric cat. Yeah, but I don't like. Like, Fred, I don't re- really remember. I don't know about you, but I don't really remember the Rodman stuff getting out of hand other than San Antonio until, like, he was living with Mark Cuban and, like, the Lakers stuff and all that. Like, that's when I remember Rodman, like, really getting, like, where I'm like, ooh, this dude's got issues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was so young then, honestly, that in the moment, like, so much of what I know about the progression of Dennis Rodman and his character and everything – uh is just from what I've read and things that I've watched when I've been older, you know, uh, and so much of it, like if you watch the progression of Dennis Rodman just over his life, it just seems like a constant progression that's never stopped. Right. Where, where like, I don't think in 1998, yeah, in 1998, we knew that Dennis Rodman was, was, uh, you know, maybe had a screw loose, but I don't think Dennis Rodman was going to be going to North Korea in 1998. I think, I think he progressed. That's, to the, that's the one thing I knew he would do someday. Is that I knew he would bridge the, you know, I just remember 15 year old me going, that guy's going to fix the North Korea crisis someday. I get it. Oh boy. I knew it. Uh, no, you're right. Like, I, I don't know. Like I, John Sally was, was on Levitard um, over the past week and he was talking about Dennis and how like Dennis was always weird, right? Dennis was always different. He was always like, you know, he was wearing, you know, tight jeans with holes in them and people were making fun of him. And then, you know, 10 years later, everyone's wearing that, right? Like, or any, you know, 15 years later, fashionable people are, are wearing that stuff. And like John Sally was like, he was ahead of all this stuff. He was just a different dude, but he was always, he was always weird. It's just like, I guess once he was out of the kind of structure of the bad boys, like that's when, I don't know. That's when I guess he just he didn't let have his the system around flag him. Yeah. fly. Have it to. began to get weird once he started dating Madonna. <laughs> Yeah. It never gets more Madonna. normal when you start dating Madonna, right? Madonna, Carmen Electra. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would and, say and that know- when my life really humbled was when I started dating Madonna. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know what's funny, Zach, is that the reason I remember it is because Marv would like Marv would address it, but in the Marv fashion of he would just say it with innuendo. Right. Like he wouldn't just say that Rodman was a loose cannon, he'd be like, well, you know, <laughs> he would talk around it, but just to let the audience know, like, look, man, this guy is barely, barely um, here. <laughs> okay? Um, so, and that stuck with me, even then, and and just, you know, the stuff that he was doing with his hair, and um, wearing a dress on the cover of his book, and all of these things, like, that didn't jive with clean cut Michael Jordan and what they were doing in Chicago. And even Scotty was clean cut, right? Like they were just so like professional, it seemed. And Dennis just seemed like just a fish out of water, dude. Yeah. I mean, constantly. Constantly. (laughs) (laughs) The kicking the cameraman. Like I remember all of this stuff, but again, like in San it started in San Antonio, because they would get a lot of national games. Yeah, he would take his shoes they were off really like, good when he came yeah, out of the like game. He was, or, yeah. It was always like, man, this Dennis Rodman cat is is different, you know? Yeah, no, I, I mean, the, the thing about Dennis, too, it's just like he was so good on the court. You lived with it. But it's just so awkward sometimes, right? Like everything you see about him, you're just like, God, he's so good. But we, we can't live without him. But he's so freaking weird. 
I think the thing that always messed me up, Rich, and maybe you're the same way, is I just didn't the the nose piercing, like through the middle of the nose. <laughs> that's the one that yeah. I'm just like, really? That's the decision he made. That's painful. the one I don't get. Yeah. yeah. He, I mean, yeah, he was. I was too young to kind of like understand his place on the Bulls. He was just this guy with this weird hair. I think Waz said it. He had a a wedding dress on. Okay. He, married to Carmen Electra. She's on MTV. Okay. That's all this different stuff. It's yeah. I'm kind of interested. Maybe you guys know a little better, like was because like he was so weird and he was so out there and kind of in the public eye. Was he kind of immune to these deep seated rivalries between like Krauss and, and the bulls? It almost feels like he was kind of off on his own separate Island. Well, yeah, I wonder if he even he I, had different issues. Yeah, I wonder if yeah, he was even aware I mean. of like that Scotty was hurt, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like did Scotty he even concern himself with that, or was just like he rolled he rolled the ball out? I'll go re- rebound it. Well, well, see, the thing is, Dennis's issues had to do with stuff that had nothing to do with basketball. Mike and Scotty and Phil were all pissed at Jerry Krause about stuff that had to do with the team that had to do with like how the team functions and operates and like who gets to still be on the team and compensation. Like these are core like issues that a team deals with. Dennis Rodman just wanted to be out being things that weren't a basketball player. I think his basketball stuff, he's like, look, I know what my role is. I know what I come in here to do. Um, That's, you know, I don't think he was, and he had no illusions about being as prominent as Mike or Scotty or Phil. So I I think that's why it's kind of seems like, that stuff was all separate. Um, and, and you know, on the court, which is funny, um, like, it was obvious to me what his, what, what, what made him important. Like, you know, you see, <laughs> I don't remember if this, ha- I'm pretty sure this happened in the finals, but it was like a, a basically him and Carl Malone had a wrestling match. Oh, yeah, definitely. wrestling match <laughs> on the court. And it's just like, they just called double text. And it's like, okay, this dude is a nuisance. Like, he is perfect at what he does. You know what I'm saying? I guess like his closest comp would kind of be like a Draymond, Patrick Pat, Beverly. Pat Beverly, yeah. I mean, from a, from a personality standpoint, right? Because, like, Draymond's yeah. loud. And I guess Pat's loud, too. But, like, Dennis was, you know, Pat's sneaky in the way he does it. Dennis was sneaky yeah. in the way he did it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Was, they, they, had a, they had a wrestling match. They actually had a... They had a real wrestling match. Yeah, they had a real well, wrestling match. they had match. WWE I mean, wrestling yeah, In yeah, leather yeah, pants. Watched, they were wearing leather the, pants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who wrestles in leather pants? If we're going to talk about Dennis Rodman, we got to bring up the Dennis Rodman whisperer, who is Jack Haley. Yeah, you guys remember that? I mean, two years in San Antonio, <laughs> went to Chicago one year. Jack Haley, anybody? anybody? Oh yeah, no, yeah. I mean, he was he was he followed him around. He went to the Bulls, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he went to the Bulls yeah. for a year. Um, I did just find this out though. Did you know that Jack Haley died? I literally just said rest in peace. You said Jack yeah, Haley. I, I said I, I, rest I in peace. But I don't listen to you, Zach. You know this by now. <laughs> yeah, I he just di- found this I want to say he died right like now. three or four sure. years ago. Yeah, 2015. 2015, okay. Yeah, I was way off. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Weird moment. <laughs> um, I used to get him and Marty Conlon uh, confused because they were just two tall white guys that didn't really play. No, but he go. was the Dennis Rodman whisperer yeah. in San Antonio. He was the guy that was his assignment was make sure Dennis makes it to the games. Yeah. That's Dude, what you had Dennis to do. Dennis just straight up just skipping practices. <laughs> like, why? Like, 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 
Um, could you explain to people that this this is not something that people do in the NBA? Like, not anymore. Like, where you just straight up no call, no show up to an NBA practice. Yeah, I mean, multiple times, and and you don't play for like you know the Knicks or or some just terrible team that doesn't like you're on a team that's going to be competing for the championship, and you just multiple times just be like, eh, no call, no show. <laughs> I, I I'm I'm gonna say. I think it happens. Oh, really? Ooh. I think it happens. I think we just don't really hear about it, but I mm. think it. I think it happens. I've I've heard rumblings of it happening with 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 players, but I'm not I'm not uh, confirmed about it enough to say it to just be able to blurt out in the podcast. But the, the specific players, but I've heard rumblings of of very good players who have done it. So I believe it happens. Mm. No, I just don't think no, it gets. All I out. want to do is speculate. Me so too. You, I mean, <laughs> so Rich, so Fred, is it a bead? Is it JoJo? I'm saying no more. How many practices did Davis Bertans miss? <laughs> Davis Bertans would never miss a practice. Davis Bertans is actually, you know how like horses sleep standing up? Davis Bertans sleeps while shooting threes. Was there anything else we left out that we wanted to we wanted to touch on from these these first two hours? How amazing Pippin's – how much Pippin's brother looks exactly like him. Like that threw me off a bit. His yeah. pops yeah. too. Yeah. yeah, his pops, the whole thing. Like I never knew Yeah, it looks like they're all Pippen's. related, Mo. Good call. Oh, <laughs> I don't like you, Zach. I'm going to stop talking to you. Uh, the, <laughs> but I never heard the whole like Pippin family story. Like I knew the stuff when he went yeah, to school. I didn't know, he, I didn't know he dealt with so many people in wheelchairs. Like I didn't know yeah, like – that was crazy. When I heard that, I was like, wow. That, I the never heard anything time, about Pippin's family until like, now. A crib in Arkansas, like, does it really cost more than, like, 60, 70 Gs? You know what I'm saying? Are you trying to say how much money did Pippin really need? Wise? Is this really what we're pushing now? I was just saying, like, oh, it's a crib in the you know, middle of nowhere, Arkansas. Like, you could probably get something nice, a nice amount of acreage for, for some pretty reasonable prices. Yeah, but then you have to saying. be back in Arkansas. Well, not Pippin. I'm saying the people he was taking care of, right? Like, if he had to house 12 people yeah. in L.A., I'd be like, oh, was 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 was. You don't tough. work your way to the NBA to become a millionaire so that you can keep people in Arkansas. You move everybody out. <laughs> <laughs> name, name one person. Shout out like, to listeners in Arkansas, yeah. man. Thanks, Eden. Uh, <laughs> 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 um... Yeah, like uh, the Pippin. Yeah, the, some of the Pippin backstory was pretty interesting to me. I didn't know a ton about that. I love the James Worthy comment about like two weeks, and I and he's probably being a good teammate there or whatever. But still, like I love that comment. Like I thought that was cool. Um, I love Roy Williams kind of trying to take credit for Michael Jordan's work ethic. Love that. Um, that was a yeah, that shocking. was a classic Doc Rivers. It was move, by yeah. The way. If he had said that in uh, if he had said that in a in a press room, everyone would have laughed. Credit for Patrick Beverly, um, Patrick not Patrick Beverly, Patrick Peterson's three point uptake going up, um, um, percentage going up this season. He was like, "Yeah, he kept trying to put it on the floor," and and we told him to stop, just shoot the threes, and and he's been making them ever since. (laughs) He said it unironically, like, like, "Yeah, we got him." Yeah, he was just catching, he was catching, shooting, and missing the whole time. But sure, sure, Doc, you got it. Yeah, but yeah, Roy, Roy Williams going, going. Yeah, I told him. Oh, you think it's okay to work as hard as everyone else? You know, just, that's enough for you. And I'm just like, really, Roy? You telling me that's all of a sudden Michael Jordan became motivated? Fuck out of here. 
I like the uh, the ever changing level of Michael Jordan's cocktail when he was being oh, interviewed. Oh, the best! Yeah, that was <laughs> that's really the thing to watch. Yeah, and and I was thinking like you know so many people have talked about how hard it was to get him to agree to do this. I mean, that director when he saw him like make that cocktail and start drinking it, he probably <laughs> had to be like, "This is." fucking awesome like, also, this is amazing mike driving a corvette at the height of his fame bit of a shock i know corvette yeah. was it in the 80s but like that's probably his sunday car man <laughs> yeah that was like one of many he had multiple whips come on that oh, was probably whips, given to him like, for free and they just wanted him to drive around oh yeah he probably got right? like a hundred thousand dollars every time he <laughs> drove it to practice yeah um all right anything else the cocaine party that he walked in on we believe that story not the way he describes it. <laughs> I believe something similar happened. I don't know that I believe the the um series of events which followed that he described, but normies didn't read the Haberstam book. They didn't read the Jordan rules. They they basically watched Come Fly With Me and all these other NBA entertainment properties. And this is that on steroids. So people are loving it. This idea that like, oh, it's not new information. Like, I mean, really? Like, this is the first time you see Mike actually talk about it himself instead of like quotes being attributed to him and all of these things. But um, I think that was my favorite part, man. Just just listening to these cats. And you know what? I've read those books. I read the Jordan Rules. I read Playing for Keeps. I know a lot of those stories. I still fucking had fun. That was a fun two hours. And according to Levitard, those are the worst two hours of the documentary. Not say, he's not saying they're bad. He's just saying like of the of the ten hours, those are the worst two. The, so like uh, that set the table. The practice footage was fun too. Practice Seeing him yell fun. at guys. Oh my god, Tony! When he was yelling at Tony Kukoc, that's why I got to yell at you all day. Yeah, <laughs> like I was dying, man. No, he said something like, "Come on, Harp, I'm waiting for." It. And I and I I was like, "Oh shit, what did I do?" Like I. Said, <laughs> <laughs> What is what Scotty Burrell's waiting for the double team? He's like, I'm waiting oh, for the double team, yeah. and he's looking at him going, "Why?" I cannot <laughs> like, wait to watch him shit on Scott Burrell. I have nothing against Scott Burrell, but it's just such a perfect Jordan target. The rest oh. of this documentary series, like he's just gonna, he's like you know, he hates him. You know, Mike would never, it would never. Mike would probably hire him to the to run the Hornets just so he could fire him. <laughs> like it would just that would be the reason. One of my favorite stories from the Jordan rules, he used to kill Will Purdue in the early years so bad that he would call him Will Vanderbilt because he said that Will Purdue wasn't good enough to have a Big Ten school as his last name. (laughs) One of my favorite stories is when he he popped off against Bill Cartwright. Bill Cartwright's, I'll fucking kill you. (laughs) Bill Cartwright was not having it. I forgot Bill Cartwright was an assistant on those. Yeah. Those, uh, that, that yeah. yeah. Phil team. moved him in. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there are any other stories that I'm looking forward to. I mean, I, we're not going to get into it. I would love something on the wizard's ears. I know that's, that's not the same documentary, but I just want some kind of comments on the wizard's ears and how that went. Like maybe if they can ask it, like if they'd ask it, like, all right, now that you ran a team, like you understand Jerry Krause at all. You know, I just I want to know. I want to know. I just want to see practice footage of him shitting on Kwame Brown. I want to see how bad it was. <laughs> That's the sequel, like sort of how Netflix tried to rush out a uh, Tiger King extra episode after right. it got all famous. Right. That's <laughs> gonna be- <laughs> it's going to be a few more hours later. 
Um, yeah, it's just footage of of Kwame Brown with his therapist for two hours. And that's <laughs> yeah, it. yeah, it's just him talking to his therapist. They happen to have a camera on him. Uh, Fred, we should read about Bradley Beal, right? Yes, please read about Bradley Beal. I spent a really long time writing about Bradley Beal and uh, his evolution as a leader and how he went from a quiet, reserved kid to this really loud voice in the Wizards locker room. And he was super critical of the job he did this year as a leader and he was very open. So, yes, definitely read about that two part series over at the Athletic DC. Um, How bad were the worst 10 draft picks of the Sixers in the modern era, Rich? Pretty bad. I mean, the the top couple were uh, were Jaleel Okafor and and Markel Fultz. That's um, Woo. I don't know. I, I feel like that's about as good of a top two as you can have. That's pretty. Uh, yeah, that's pretty good. The 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 wolves might hold your beer there, but uh, <laughs> but they. <laughs> I, yeah, it, it was weird. Like the Sixers in the two thousands when they were boring, they actually made some okay picks. They like Lou Williams in the second round, yeah. Kyle Korver, Iguodala was a good pick considering like where he was. Uh, but yeah, these process years, there were some, there were some good ones, but uh, yeah, this one was, uh, this was a stroll down memory lane, memory lane for sure. And Mo, we would never direct anyone to another website, but I'm sure there's some place to read about Scotty Pippen. Yeah. There's a, uh, interesting website, uh, you know, uh, some genius, genius, smart, mustached man wrote about Scotty Pippen. Oh, and Howard I tell Beck you, had a mustache? Damn, dog. That hurt. <laughs> <laughs> that hurt. <laughs> um, but yeah, now, you know, on uh, Bleacher Report, when you're done reading The Athletic. Yeah, when you've read everything on, over, on The Athletic and you've commented on everything. You know, you can just slide on over to the Bleacher Report. There you go. Wrote a piece on Scottie Pippen and his versatility. Uh, really one of the more interesting players in the 90s, I think, that uh, we kind of forget about because he was playing with Jordan. Uh, Waz, I'm not going to uh, to spoil it yet, but and I don't even know that you know this, but we have a lot of ranking over reacts coming up. We got a lot. Oh. We got a lot to record. Oh, wow. And That's awesome. And it's going to be a lot of comments shitting on me. Okay, good. That's, that. Those are the best kind of comments as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> and they're all mine, actually. They're right? all just both. <laughs> yeah, it's all just, just both saying, this sucks. This is terrible. <laughs> just commenting over and over. Really, he's spamming the comments. But it's good engagement for the for the metrics, so there you go. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of Basketball. Thanks to Dave before, Rich Hoffman, Fred Katz, Odak Hill, Lambre, Jay Hoy. I'm Zach Harper. Keep it locked in on The Athletic the rest of the day. Oh,